Welcome everyone to the Ove Torah, the film issue. Today's year is the Ayin Aleph. We will begin on Ayin Amorbet, two lines before the bottom of the page. The words at the beginning of the line says, Hashta Damrot Bo Lutrasha. Uh, today's DAF is available. Anyone who would like to who to sponsor today's DAF, kindly contact me at 718-213-3681 for the Zahud of sponsoring today's DAF. Says the Gemara as follows, Hashat HaMarta Bola Drasha Udata Kol Penecha Loicha Bo Lamali The Gemara previously said that the word Bo referring to the Korban Pesach for example, uh, we had said before that the word Bo Chol Alev Loicha Bo is telling you specifically Pesach, an Arel can't eat, but not other things. So the word Bo is mentioned a few different times by Korban Pesach. For example, it says, Kol ben besides for a person without a Pimila who can't eat it, also a Ben Nechad, which means a person who doesn't believe in the Torah and goes against the Torah, he still can't eat the Korban Pesach. And still, he can't eat a korban pesach. And the fact that it says bo sounds like it's a mute telling you that only the korban pesach, a person who doesn't believe, can eat. But what's it coming to exclude? Lamali. So it's the one. Bo hamaratat poselat. Ben hamaratat poselat. Ma said, "Come to teach you that only the korban pesach will a person's wrong beliefs." make him forbidden to eat. But the wrong beliefs do not stop a person from eating Maaser. So, others explain that it's talking about Truma. Okay. Says the Gemara, V'chol aren't lo yochal bo lamali. There's another person who says, V'chol aren't lo yochal bo. Says any person without a pibila can eat it. Bo. Lamali was coming to bo. En ochel avalechavu b'mazamaron. We're coming to teach you and when it comes to Korban Pesach, an Arel can't eat it, but an Arel can eat, can eat the Korban Pesach, but an Arel can eat Matzah and Maror, and indeed is Chayav to eat Matzah and Maror. So even though a person with Arabimina is forbidden to eat the Korban Pesach, but he's still commanded to eat Matzah and Maror. Says Gemara, so why do I need that? We have to teach you about on Arel not eating Pesach and we have to teach you that about a person with the wrong beliefs not eating Pesach and you would not be able to learn one from the other the Gemara is um, clarifying that both of these Pesukim both about no Milah as well as Pasuk that's talking about a person who has the wrong beliefs both things are necessary we, we, the Torah needs to tell you both that both of these people cannot eat Korban Pesach because had I only told you one and expected you to figure out hey if the Torah doesn't let a person without without a Bimilai eat it certainly you won't let a guy without the right beliefs eat the Korban Pesach that wouldn't work why wouldn't it fly because a person could say no if the Torah would only write an Arel, I would say, oh, you know what, the Arel can't eat the Korban Pesach. Mishum Dimaiz. Because it's disgusting for a person, for, uh, on a Jewish level, for a person to have that part of skin still attached to his body. And that's why he can't eat. But a person with the wrong beliefs, who is not visibly 
disgusting because you don't see anything physical on his body, it's just a belief that he has in his brain. And Balo, if it didn't say both Pesukim, I would have thunk that he can eat Korban Pesach. The Katarachmana, Korban Echad, had the Torah had said, Korban Echad Yochabo, and any a person with a strange belief can't eat Korban Pesach, I would say, oh, you know why you can't eat Korban Pesach? Because his heart is not the Shemaim. But a person who has no Bibila, where his heart and his brain is 100% with Hashem, you would say, Therefore, I need both of them. To tell you that neither of them can eat the Korban Pesach. Okay? Just this thing, huh? Says, don't eat from it, meaning from the Korban Pesach. Don't eat it raw and don't eat it boiled. And the Pasuk also says, don't, don't leave any Korban Pesach until the morning. Why do I need both these Mimenus? Says, why we need it? Which thing more is going to explain more on the Ayin Dalad and a few blot. Amar Mor, we mentioned before. Rabbi Kiva Omer and Tzarich. Rabbi Kiva says, Eno Tzarich. We don't need it. After Shabbat Zahir. We mentioned before that Machok on Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer is saying that the word Shabbat Zahir is a Gzila Shabbat. And from there we're learning that Arel can eat Shuma. And Rabbi Kiva is saying that we learn it from Ish Ish. So it says, Rabbi Kiva, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Shayak Tiv, Shayomer Ish Ish, Labot Arel. It says, Every man who has Surah Zav, the word Ish Ish is coming to Kura Arel. They will both at own hand. Mars says, Who told you? Say that it's coming to tell you. That an Arel can eat Chuma. Maybe it's going to tell you. That an Onan can eat Chuma. But Arel can eat Chuma. Only Azad can eat Zerut. Maybe coming to school Arelut to tell you. Tell you. What made you decide to include the Ish Ish is coming to include Arel and the Pasuk of Kholzad is coming to exclude an Onan? Maybe you should flip it. Why? In other words, if, if you have one Pasuk including, one Pasuk excluding, why do we choose to include and say that an Onan can eat? And Arel can. Maybe it should be the other way around. It's logical that we want to include Arel Why? First of all, which means he's missing the action of Mila something that has to do with Mila is something that has to do with the body of the person who is Arel you get correct 
the fact that what had happened before Matan Torah, because I was on Abraham Avinu before Matan Torah, and Midat Torah was about and also it's something that's so strong that even if a person does not do it to his slaves, it also stops meaning Shuma. So that's the reason why we chose to say that Arut is what ha- is what is included. So the Gemara comes back and says, wait, Adarabah, just the opposite. Maybe Aninut have a little bit. Maybe we should include Aninut and not Arilut, which means we should include a person who lost a relative as opposed to including a person who doesn't have Bimila. Doesn't have Why? Because Aninut happens every, every time. And whereas Arilut can only happen once in a lifetime, person can only has one Bimila to take. But Aninut can happen at any time, therefore it's more strict. Another thing is that Aninut happens whether you're male or female, whereas whereas Arel only happens to a male. And there's no way to fix yourself. When it comes to Arelut, the person who has an Arel can fix himself by doing Bimila. On the other hand, Aninut, there's no way out of it. When you're in it, you're in it. So it's, in a way, it's stronger as well. And therefore, maybe we should have included that one as the one that is the one that's possible. Mara says, you're right. But here, there's only three, which is Kol Shaha, Nashim, and Biyadol again. Whereas in the first one, by Arel, there was Chusad, Ma'aseh, Bigufo, Karet, Zedibur, that's six. So six to three, therefore we picked the one that's stricter than has six Arelut and not the one that's lighter, which is only three, which is Aninut. So basically what happens is we weigh how many strictnesses they have and we go with that. So the Mara comes back and says, no. Even without the fact that Arelut has six over three, there's another reason why we should pick Arelut. It says in the book, a man, a man. Since it's a man, a man. Why is it emphasizing a man, a man? To tell you, it's something that has to do with the, the maleness of the person. What is the maleness of the person? That's obviously much more leaning towards a person's than a person passing away, which is not specifically male. So therefore, he says, we don't need the 6-3. We anyway go with the word Adelut because of the maleness. Ish-ish. Okay. Now, the Gemara said before that there's a machloket, how we know Arel doesn't eat Shuma. Rabbi Elisa says we learn it from Gzera Shavah and Rabbi Kivalent from the word Ish-ish. The Gemara wants to know now, what does each rabbi do with the other Pasuk? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva, according to Rabbi Akiva, Hai Toshav Zechin what does he do with the word Toshav Zechin? It's an extra word. Amar Shmaya, Aturye, Aravi Mahul, Bikivoni Mahul. It's coming things. It's coming to tell you that not only can't a Yehudi who's mahul eat, who, who doesn't have bimi, eat the korban pesach. It's coming to tell you that even uh, an Arab person or a givoni, which are people who are goyim, but yet they practice bimila, even they are not allowed to eat truma, and therefore, according to Bihiva, those people can't eat truma because. 
of the words Toshav and Zachir. That's what Rabbi Kiva is doing because he, of course, is learning from Ishish. Where it says, Hani Mulinu, are you calling these people as if they have a big mila? They don't even have a big mila. Yes, they cut off their foreskins, but those that doesn't make them mahul necessarily. When a goy does a big mila, it doesn't make you. It doesn't make you mahul, and we wouldn't need a pasuk. But it's not that we learned. If a guy says, I don't want any hana'a for people who are ill, mutar. He's mutar to eat. He's mutar to enjoy from Aureli style. Even though if a Jew has no bimilah, he was not excluded. And he's not allowed to have, to be, to have any benefit from, from a, a, a goy who has a bimilah. So the word arelim is referring to goyim and not Jews, even though the Jews might be actually arel themselves. If the guy says, I don't want to have any hana'ah from people with a bimilah, so then Mutab Mulevdukim, he's allowed to have Hana'ah from a Goy, even though the Goy has a Milah. So you see over here that a Goy is not called Mahul. Ella, the Mars is your right. Mars backs off and says, Coming to include a Ger who got a big Milah and he didn't dip in the so we're not talking about stomach. We really a goy who does a milah like many, many goyim do in America nowadays does not make them out. And we wouldn't need a pasuk to exclude them. Rather, what are we coming to include? We're coming to include a, a ger who's a convert. And this convert is in the process of doing a milah. So he did the milah. For lot of all, he didn't go to the mikveh yet. Or a katan shinolad Kashumahul, or you have a kid who was born with Bimila. Because about Sadiqlatif Dabit and going like a Bikiva, who says that even if you have a Bimi, if you were born with a Mila, we still have to take a drop of blood out of you. And therefore, we're coming to tell you that these people can't eat Bimila, either because he didn't dip in the Mikveh, he only got a Bimila, or because you're a kid who was missing his drop of blood coming out of him. And that's what Rabbi Kiva is doing with the word Toshav Vesachir. So says the Rabbi Rabbi Eliezer. Now Rabbi Eliezer, he can't use Toshav Vesachir for that because he used that for, to teach you about for, as Exodus Shalah. He used it for his reason. He holds, he happens to be the rabbi who holds that a ger who is mal velotaval, he has a big milah already, but he didn't get dip in the mikveh yet, a ger like that. Ger ma'alio, he's a regular ger, and therefore if he owns a regular ger, we don't need a pesach to exclude him, because he could eat a korban, to, a korban pesach. And he also, kasavad, he also holds, katan, kishinolad ma'ol, he holds it that a katan, when he was born with a big milah, does not, you don't, you don't need to take any blood out of him, and therefore, he can also eat kobat pesach, that's why he doesn't need pesach for that. So now he says, okay, but what does he do with the actual word ish ish? According to it, what does he do with the actual word ish ish that Rikiva is using to teach you? To exclude Ariel, 
Most is my everyday. Most is no. He actually doesn't do anything with the words ish ish. He claims that the word ish ish is just a way, a manner of speaking. And sometimes the Torah will, will use the, the manner of speech that a regular human would use. And since regular human would some say ish ish to refer to every man. Ish is a man, and ish ish would be every man. Over here, the Torah is using the language of Adam. They don't use and they don't do anything with it. Asha according to the Beit and therefore he doesn't have to tell you what he, what he does with it because he does nothing with it. He doesn't hold it in the first place. Uh, a person who's Arel, we said, cannot eat Truma. We want to know, let's see if you have a kid who's an Arel, which means you have a baby. And the baby is a six-day-old baby, let's say. And the baby has rough skin. And you want to smooth the baby's skin using olive oil. But the olive oil is Truma olive oil. Do we say, well, this baby is an Arel, and an Arel who hasn't had a big milah is not allowed to use Truma. And by you smearing Truma on the baby, you're doing an Arel for the baby. Or do we say, no, it's Arelut, Shalom Bismana, Uma So we will say that this baby is called an Arel, even though it's before the time, but it's still called an Arel. Or, Loma Akva, do we say no, even though he's in Arel? But since it's not yet the time, meaning he's not yet eight days old, so therefore, there's, since there's no reason to give him Rimila, that, that does not cause any problems. Amar Bizera Tashma, I'll bring you a proof. I only know. that the milah of a person's uh, person's kids will stop you from yeah that's only if they were if your slaves were not, again we were talking about a person's slaves a person's slaves have to have a big milah if they don't have a big milah they're not going to allow you to eat truma because since you have a slave that's not because since you have a slave that is not mahul, so you can't eat korban pesach because all you, you have to take care of all your obligations before you eat korban pesach. Mar says, we only I would only know that they're not giving bimila to your slaves or your children. That's true at the time of the shechting of the korban pesach. Right, and the avada v'shat achila, because Basuk says, "Chol evid ish mikrakeset umaltato as yochabo." A person's slave who has a bimila, then he could eat. So, slave by slaves, it talks about eating, and by children, it talks about doing the korban pesach. So we learned over here that there's two two obligations. One obligation for a child to make that if a person has a child who has no bibila, that will disqualify you. Another one is a person's slave without a bibila will disqualify you. Now the pasuk does not use the same terminology for a child and a slave. By the by the child, it says that that the the, the doing that having a child without, without a bimila hampers you or stops you 
doing the Korban Pesach, and by a slave, it says it stops you from eating Korban Pesach. So the Gemara says, if we're going with the actual Pasuk, I only know about a Milah on a, on a son will stop you from doing the Pesach, and a Milah on a slave will stop you from eating the Pesach. How do we know that both a, a son and a slave will stop you from both from both uh, doing uh, doing Korban Pesach and from eating Korban Pesach as as like it says as by uh, by uh, your children it says the word as by your slave Gzashva telling you neither can you do it by doing the Korban Pesach and by eating the Korban Pesach so now, now that was a brighter. Now, what are we going to learn from the brighter? It has nothing really to do with us. But we're going to learn from it. Mars says, I understand by a slave, it's possible to have a case that it could be the guy could have a slave only at the time of eating. So in other words, you could have a guy has a slave without a big milah and you acquired him after the time of Shechitat Pesach before the time of the Pesach and therefore that's why we need a brighter to talk about a case by, by a slave because by a slave it's possible to have a case like that you could buy him at that point like for example if a guy bought it in between the two times but a person's males, meaning a person's children, how could you have a case where he has a child at the time of eating? And you don't have the child at the time of doing the Korban Pesach, which is only a few hours away from each other. How can you find a case like this? Can't we be talking about a case? We must be talking about a case that the baby was born in between, a guy's wife had a baby, in between his doing of the Korban Pesach and his eating the Korban Pesach. And we see, we still see that that's considered a problem that you need a Pasuk to tell you that you can't eat the Korban Pesach. So we see from here that a baby that's under eight days old, because this baby's got to be only one day old, you see that a baby under eight days old is still called a problem of an Arel. And therefore you see that a baby, we could answer our question. You wanted to know to start with, does a baby below eight days old, does his milah stop him from eating truma? The answer is going to be yes. How could you bring a from there? It says the pasuk, do a big milah on all your bills nails and then come and do the program it can't be because this baby is not ready to be Mila and therefore can't be excluded must be talking about the following case talking about a case that at the time when the person did the Korban Pesach the baby was sick and therefore it couldn't do a pimila. And that's why you put to her. And then at the time of the Achilat Pesach, he got better. And therefore don't bring a proof from here to whether or not a baby 
up to the age of eight days is able to disqualify the disqualify himself from eating truma because this is not talking about that case. It's talking about the case of the baby who got sick. Since the baby got sick, we couldn't do a premium on him, and therefore, and therefore. That's the case that the bride was talking about. Says, the Tiv there called Shiva. It can't be talking about a case like that. Which is the baby got sick and then the baby recuperated. The law would be that you'd have to wait seven days from when he recuperated in order to be eligible for Bimila. So therefore we're back to the drawing board because we wouldn't be able to find a case that would fit according to us. So the Gemara answer is no. It must be that he finishes his um, seven days in the morning. So we're talking about a baby. They didn't do it for Mila yet. And uh, that's because the baby was sick. But the baby in the morning became... Uh, it, it finished his seven days the morning of Arab Pesach. And therefore, he messes up the Korban Pesach from the time of, of Asiyah. So therefore, we still have a problem. And we're talking about a case. By any matter that, we need, you'll need uh, seven days from the time that the guy got better. And that the baby got better. And since it's, it has to be exactly... When a baby, according to this, we're explaining that a baby, when a baby gets sick and you can't do a bit milah, you have a seven, you have to wait seven days after he recuperates in order to do the bit milah. And according to what we're saying now, that seven days is measured from the hour he gets better. So let's say a baby who gets better on let's say Sunday at noon, you could have the bit milah not Sunday morning. The bit milah will have to be Sunday at noon. And if so, we can have a possibility where a baby will, uh, let's say, get recuperate from his sickness, let's say, uh, uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, and then he'll therefore he'll, seven days later, three o'clock afternoon, he'll be, he'll be eligible for a baby now. And being that he's eligible at three o'clock in the afternoon, which is after the time that when a person would do the korban pesach, so therefore you can have a case where a baby was not eligible for a bimila at the time of the korban pesach, and he he was not eligible at the time of the doing of the korban pesach, and he was eligible at the time of the eating the korban pesach because it, come, it could come exactly in the middle of the afternoon. And that's the answer to the as at this point. Versus Hakadepi, Vatani Luda doesn't Luda say the following law? Luda's name every person. Yom Habrado, Yom Habrado, that a person's recovery day for a baby is like the baby was born. Now that's just a statement. We don't know exactly what those words mean, but we're going to explain them as follows. Ma Yom Habrado Lo Ba'inan Me'etlet, just like the day a person, a baby is born, doesn't require Me'etlet. To count eight days, you don't require eight days from the hour he's born. Rather, it means eight days altogether. And therefore, if the baby's born on Sunday, even if it's right before sunset, we'll count Sunday as the first day, and we'll have the baby the next the next Sunday. So too, when a, when a baby was sick and got better, that shouldn't be that. And if so, every baby who gets sick will will always be 
be eligible for Milah on the morning of the seventh day of recuperation and if so that knocks out the first answer because then the baby's uh, eligible every baby who got sick is always eligible for the morning which is the time of Asiyat Pesach well Morris is not necessarily Morris says no even though he says it's we're telling you that, that a person who uh, a baby who recovers is actually the opposite. Actually, a baby who recovers does need does need 24 hours from exactly the time it got better. And when when the baby's born, it's not like that. Okay, so that's answer number one. How could it happen that a baby is fit at that time? Papa Mario, Papa says no. Ki gondi ki evle eneli lienuka bifta beni beni. Took him in a case where a baby has something wrong with his eyes, and the eyes got better on Erebesa. In between the time of the Dukanuka Rambesa and the time of the Eunuka Rambesa, that having a problem with. And he holds that a baby who gets sick, different with baby that gets a fever or baby has more problem with the eyes. When the baby can't have baby because of a fever, then you need seven days. But a baby who has a problem with his eyes, that baby does not need a seven day delay. And therefore, as soon as the baby gets better, the baby will be fine. So we could be talking about a case like that. That's the answer of our Papa. Rabbi says no. Keep going. Okay, a much simpler case. Let's say the father and mother were locked up in a jail, and therefore they couldn't do pibila at the time of the doing the korban pesach. I guess they didn't have to do it themselves. They had some shliach to it for them, and they got out of jail during the time of the eating the korban pesach. And therefore, that's a, that's a late case of a, of a, the baby is really a ten day old baby or a twenty day old baby, and it needs a pibila. But the baby couldn't get a big milah beforehand because the mother parents were in jail. And the parents got out of jail, then it's fine. And that's that's a clear case where a baby could become eligible at that point. If Let's say it's a case of a baby that's a tumtum. A tumtum is a baby that has its its gentilia covered by a piece of skin. And you can't tell and, and it's not accessible. You can't do a because it's not accessible. And therefore, the baby is batur. And the, the, the baby's skin that was covering over the gentilia ripped on in between the doing of the Korban Pesach and the eating of the Korban Pesach. And that's how you can have a case where a baby becomes eligible during that time. Roshavi has his own answer. He says, you have a case of a baby who uh, was the mother was giving birth, and the baby stuck out its head out of the mother's stomach. Let's say on Sunday, and then the baby stayed in that position with the head out, with the mother in labor hazita, for seven days straight, and therefore we're going to count the birth of the baby from when the head is out, and therefore the baby is needing a pipmila, but can't get one on seven days later, and that happens at the time 
on Arab Pesach, this, this Hazita mother finally gives birth to the baby. And she gives birth in between the Asiyah of the Korban Pesach, the Tumag of the Korban Pesach, and the and the eating of Rambasach, and that's how we could have a case going to Roshavah. So, so far we had four different answers, and Roshavah is the fourth answer. Or is this, does a baby like that actually live? Could a baby possibly live half born, half born for seven days? Once a baby comes out to the air of the world, the baby's closed things open, meaning the baby's mouth that was previously closed is now, now opens and the baby's able to breathe. And the thing that was that was open, which is the umbilical cord that was feeding the baby till now, as soon as the baby comes out, that gets closed. Because if that didn't happen, the baby could live even for an hour. Right, and if the, ba- if the baby's mouth was closed, then the baby wouldn't be able to eat. So you see that the baby has to be able to eat as soon as it comes out. Therefore, how will this baby eat? How can a baby live so long without eating? Mars says no. So the Mars says it seems like there's a case that a baby could either eat by nursing or the baby could eat by having a fever and if this baby has a fever the fever will keep the baby going for those seven days versus Ishta the man whose fever is it? if it's the baby's fever well if a baby has fever then it wouldn't need to be Milah and we're talking about a case according to Rabbi Shabia that the baby needs to be Milah on the seventh day because it was born but if the baby has a fever it doesn't need to be Milah must be that it doesn't have a fever, but the baby's mother has a fever for seven for those seven days, and that that's what's feeding the baby, and that yet the baby could work. That's only when the baby doesn't cry. However, the baby cries, and the baby could live even without. Without eating, just from the crying, the baby could live. Okay, once more on the topic of Arerim, we'll discuss what's the halacha with an Arel regarding Hazah, meaning, can an Arel, a person who doesn't have a Bimila, be some be the person who sprays the Paratumah blood? When a person gets Tameh, you need Paratumah blood in order to get out of the Tumah. And our question now is, can a person who did not have Bimila be the one to sprinkle the Paratumah blood on somebody else? Not the actual blood, he's sprinkling the ashes of Paratumah mixed with water. He is able to, I'm sorry, he's able to accept sprinkling. So in other words, if he, let's say you have Arel who got tamefard, and he, is he able, is he eligible to get sprinkled to come out of his tomorrow or not? We find that Bnei Yisrael also, when the Bnei Yisrael left 
Mitzrayim. And they were going, they spent 40 years in the desert. And after 40 years in the desert, they, they crossed the Yardin, they crossed the Jordan River, and they entered into Israel. And the Pasuk tells us that the, the Jews did a Brit Milah, and they hadn't done it for 40 years in the desert, and did a Brit Milah when they crossed over the desert. And we know that they did it at a time when they still, and we know that they must have done it at a time when they were still, excuse me, I'm sorry, it's a, it says that they did a Brit Milah, and that Brit Milah must have been done after they had already been sprinkled for Adumava to pure for themselves. How do we know? Because it says, the Jews came out of the Jordan on the 10th of Nisan. It says with the Baita that they didn't take a Bimila on the 10th because they had just traveled that day and they were too tired. And if so, when did they do a sprinkling on them? Because we're assuming they're Tameh. Lav, Kishen, it must be that they did it when they were out there because it takes seven days for, for the Hazah to work. And we know they did the Korban Pesach. So if they crossed over on the 10th and they didn't do it till the 11th, so there aren't seven days in between the 11th of Nisan and the 15th of Nisan. So it must be that they they got sprinkled at least on the 7th of Nisan which is before they crossed the Yardin so you see from here clearly that a person without a Bimila can get sprinkled and therefore we should learn to that now also Mars not necessarily Vidilma perhaps maybe the Jews didn't do the Korban Pesach at all so the Mars says maybe they didn't do a Pesach at all that can't be says the they did the Pesach on the 14th day of Nisan so we know they did it only four days after the Milah there's a question there's a rule a Korban Pesach is allowed to be done by Tameh people if the entire Kali Yisrael is Tameh and since the whole Kali Yisrael is Tameh maybe they didn't get sprinkled because they got a Milah but maybe they got sprinkled or maybe they didn't get sprinkled at all and they just did the Korban Pesach Mar says no it can't be it says straight out in the Brayta, Malu v'Tavlu v'Asupas Chayim b'Tahara. They did the Primila, they dipped in the Mikveh, and they did the Pesach b'Tahara. So it must be that a person who is Arel is eligible to get sprinkled. Now we have another completely different topic. We're going to discuss the topic of Piriyah. Piriyah is a portion of Primila. In a Primila, there's two parts of doing a Primila. The first part is the cutting off of the hard outer skin, the thicker outer skin. And that's called Mila. The second part of a Primila is the Piriyah, which is the ripping of the inner skin and the pulling down of an inner skin, which also covers the Atala. So basically, what you have to do is you have an Atala, which is the crown of a person's uh, mem- uh, person's member. That crown is covered with two skins, a thick outer skin and a thinner inner skin. Piriya is the removal of the thin inner skin. The Gemara is telling you now, I'm a rabbi, it's a Gemara. The mitzvah of Piriya, of taking, ripping the inner skin, was not given to Avraham Avinu. Shnei Mar, as it says, It says at that time, Hashem told Yeshua that you should make for yourself a uh, sharp, 
chalavot and go re go return and do a milah to Bnei Yisrael a second time. You see that until then, Hashem didn't tell him about, about this piriyah of the inner skin. And therefore, it must be that until then, there was no inner skin. There was no mitzvah of doing the inner skin. Nowadays, the Mohalim usually rip it with their fingernails. That's why Mohel will have a long fingernail because he has to do it. Notice the thumb of a, of a, of a, the nail on the thumb of Mohel is usually longer and to a point so he can rip that skin with his fingers. However, our Gemara does imply a little bit that it's able to be done with a, with an instrument because he told Yoshua to make yourself strong instruments to do Rimila. So says the Gemara, Maybe this pasuk is is referring to somebody who didn't have brimila at all. Maybe they're telling you who says it's referring to people who had a brimila but didn't do a priya, and Hashem was commanding Yoshua to do the priya on those people, and therefore we could say that Avinu didn't have a priya. Who said? Maybe it's coming to teach you that a person who who never had a big milah should get a big milah but really everyone always had a big milah why? it says that some of the people who left Mitzrayim didn't have a big milah in other words the only people who were born during the 40 years didn't have a big milah but the people who were, who were born prior to that and there were some people for, who, who were born prior to leaving Mitzrayim those people had a big milah and, and the other people didn't. Maybe it's referring to the people who didn't ever be milah. I'm my shuv. If so, why would it say return and, and re do milah on them? If it's referring to people who, uh, who never had a milah, we wouldn't say return and do it. It would say do it because they never had a milah. Must be it's referring to the people who uh, who left Mitzrayim and had a milah but didn't have a piriyah. And therefore, we see that piriyah started at this point. So says if so, my shenit. If the word shuv is referring to a ribila, why well, would say the word shinit a second time? Shuv and shinit are extra. We're telling you shinit to tell you that both both parts of the bimila are necessary. Not only is the part of bimila, which is the the cutting of the outer skin necessary, but even the soft milah, the end of milah, which is the ripping of the inner skin, is also necessary. And if a person doesn't do that, his milah does not work. That's what's, that's what's coming to teach you. We learned in the Mishnah, the following pieces of tzitim, which are little pieces of skin that are left in the milah, but wasn't cut. The, the following things will ruin a bimila. If you have skin that, that is left covering most of the crown, and a person like that is not considered bimila, and therefore he can't eat chuma. And therefore we see. I'm 
Avinu, Vidim Avinu, Abba Marav, Basar, Chovet Rov Goratazah. It's referring to some flesh that's covering most of the height of the of the of the Atara in one spot, and that's already called Tzitzit Marakev. Why did the Jews do a, do a Bina in the desert? In other words, why do we say that for 40 years in the desert the Jews did do Bina? Why not? Why wouldn't they do it? They already commanded, why wouldn't they do a Maybe I'll tell you, maybe it was because they were weak from going on the road. Or I could give you a different reason. The reason why is because the Jews didn't have a northern wind in the desert. They didn't have a northern wind. Therefore, a northern wind is what makes the Milah heal properly. And the Jews didn't have a northern wind in the desert. And that's why they do be Milah. It says that during those, the entire time the Jews were in the desert, they did not have a my time, I want to have a northern wind. Maybe the reason why they didn't have the northern wind is because the Jews didn't deserve it because they had just done the Cheta Egel and they were kicked out, they were, they were kicked out from Hashem's presence and therefore Hashem didn't send them a northern wind which prevented them from doing Bimila. That's one, one possibility. Others say that the reason why they didn't have the, the, the northern wind during that whole time is not because of any problem or something that they did, that they were kicked out from Hashem, but rather because having a northern wind would cause problems for the Jews, because that northern wind would also, besides for healing people, would also get rid of the Anakavot, and the Jews needed Anakavot desert, and that's why they didn't have a northern wind the entire time. Amar Papa. Therefore, on a cloudy day, or a day that they have uh, a southern wind, the person shouldn't do Pimila, because it's dangerous. You don't have a northern wind, you have a southern wind. And you don't have the sun, because it's cloudy, and the sun, together with the northern wind, is what heals Pimila. Not only should you do Pimila on a day with the southern wind and cloudy, you also shouldn't, uh, a person shouldn't go for bloodletting on that day because any time a person needs to be cured from a cut, you need a, a northern wind and a sunny day and you should avoid cutting yourself and drawing blood or doing a Pimila on a day like that. So the says, "Vaidna the dashu l'rim shorepatim Hashem." Nowadays, tons of people don't pay attention to the winds and the clouds and the tupimila. Why the tupimila nowadays? Because shorepatim Hashem, when fool Hashem is the one who guards fools. And yes, technically it's foolish to look at the wind, but but that's what we do nowadays. Since everyone does it, we rely on Hashem to watch us. All, all the 40 days that the Jews were in the desert there wasn't even one day that they didn't get a 
northern wind at night. It says, and Hashem killed the Bechorim of, of the Egyptians on at midnight. My Tabudla, what have we seen from the Pasuk? Midnight is a special Etatona at the time when Hashem listens to our prayers. And therefore, That's how we know that during the 40 years, the Jews had a Ruach Tzifoni, the northern wind, at midnight. And that's also why David Melech would get up at midnight. There's a part that says in Melechot that David Melech would hang a harp over his bed to wake up at midnight in order that he could, as an alarm clock, in order that he could pray to Hashem at midnight because it's such a special time for Pakistan. Okay, we'll stop over here towards Amar Vuna and Torah. Let's stop over here. Baruch Atman Torah. Amen. Amen.